Hi folks, welcome to episode 7 of Women, Work and Wisdom. My name is Diane Lai and we can be found on www.womenworkwisdom.com. You can also find us on Twitter as well as Instagram. I welcome your feedback and thanks again for listening. Hi folks, today's guest is Sandy Braz for episode 7 of Women, Work and Wisdom. Sandy is owner-operator, entrepreneur of Yoga Yoga, an independent yoga studio in The Junction for those of you that live in and around the Toronto area. A couple of key insights was really to focus on the things that you're good at, no regrets, live a life less insecure. If you're thinking about starting a company, just do it. The amount of time Sandy felt that she wasted thinking about it just made her depressed and as soon as she started, it just felt right. She started the business from scratch, leveraging her own money and finances and funded it herself. She realized it was very difficult for women to actually get funding and so she stands on her own. There is a little bit of profanity in this as uh, I talked to Sandy and for those of you that have young kids and if you're listening, just be aware. Um, Again, nothing that I think is uh, out of the ordinary or you haven't heard before. We also talk about gender equality, dealing with women in the workplace, and we talk a lot about the industry, immersing yourself in the industry that you want to be known or learn about or enter, and to get others involved, to network as much as possible. And again, your journey is your own path, and everything is really up to you, however you decide you want to do it, and just get started. So without further ado, Sandy Brass. Thank you. Uh, so I, um, my name is Sandy, Sandy Braz, and I own a studio in uh, West Toronto called Yoga Yoga. And uh, it's a big venue space where I run my own yoga classes here and movement classes. And I also uh, rent out my venue to specific projects. Sometimes it's uh, small events, gallery nights that I run myself, music nights or weddings and things like that will be booked here. So it's a community space as well. Uh, I started as a fitness journalist. Um, I started in fitness. I was a competitive figure skater and then stopped doing that and then got into fitness, like bodybuilding and lifting weights and personal training. And then uh, I liked writing a lot. So then I started working in magazines as a fitness writer and an editor uh, in my mid 20s. Um, and that's where I've been ever since. I, I stopped working in magazines about two years ago years ago and then I opened the studio in 2015 so why did you why did you decide to opt out of the corporate world basically um, so working in magazines is corporate but it's not uh, it's still pretty loose it's a creative environment depending on what magazine you're working for um, it was the time it was the time and place that I was in it wasn't really working out very well it was a small magazine it was a really great magazine it's grown a lot since then um, and we weren't seeing eye to eye, as sometimes happens. So uh, I left the magazine and I had no job. And then I thought, well, I'm gonna make a job. And then uh, I found this space and decided it was time. I'd been teaching yoga since I was about 18. And I started this place when I was like 35. So then um, I'd wanted to open a studio many, many times, but it just never came up and I was happy as a journalist. So it was just sort of circumstance and opportunity and I needed a job, so I made one. <laughs> awesome. So any regrets about that move? No, 
Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Okay. And then is, is this the career you imagined you would be doing when you were younger? Uh, like running a studio? Yes. So there's you know, a yoga studio component to this place. Like I run it in that space over there, off to the side. Um, yeah, I always, I always thought uh, that I would be, I like teaching. Uh, so journalism feels like that too, because you're gathering information, you're researching, and then you're disseminating it, you know? So I, I like health and fitness. I think I'd be here. I think it was always going to end up here. I still feel like a writer. I miss it. I miss journalism a lot, you know? So uh, I feel like a bit of a jock sometimes in my work, you know? But I also run this space as an event venue, so it's very community-based. Um, it's everything I've ever pulled together in my career, from editorial, uh, working with photographers, movement, fitness, yoga, it's all in one space. So everything I've ever done in my career ended up in this place, so it feels right. Excellent, okay. Were there forces that influenced your path, you that ultimately pushed you in different ways of career pursuit? Yeah, like, uh, this last uh, career change, and it wasn't so much a change, it just sort of was, I think, a development of what I was already doing, working in health and fitness as a writer. So a lot of the things that I learned about the body, body mechanics, good form, you know, how muscles work, I apply here. And so the studio is very non-traditional. There's no yoga philosophy I teach. It's all uh, body mechanics and healthy movement. Um, what pushed me in this direction was just a significant life changes, divorce. Sometimes you just have to uh, move forward and just make make new paths based on you know where you're at so I think it was just it was just a boiling point <laughs> okay uh, were there milestones or seminal moments in your career that gave you pause shock or a desire for change or reflection um like yeah like a like positively or, or it can anything be either. yeah it can be either um I think, I think the idea here was that I wanted people to think that no path is easy. No path is easy. And yeah. that um, even though, you know, there are challenges along the journey, that you are able to reflect and take another path and things Absolutely. kind of work out. So for me, with the, let's say, opening the studio, it was hit the ground running. And it was, uh, at that point, I had trusted myself enough to know that... I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never started like a you know bricks and mortar business. I'd been a freelancer and worked for myself. So I think it was just sink or swim. And I trusted myself enough to know that I wouldn't let myself down. Even if it didn't work, I was still going to make something of it and learn through it. So the shift was just, you know, my life changing, um, no longer having a partner and you know like a double income and I had to make my own my own money again. Not that I didn't before, but it's so much easier with two people, <laughs> you know, especially living in the city. So I think that, that that was a big shift. So I just trusted that I would figure it out. And, and that's, that's the truth. Okay, excellent. And then how do you define success for yourself? Uh, so at the moment, uh, paying, you know, getting everything squared away financially, like paying the bills, you know, the, the, the rents and stuff like that. Success is... Uh, Kind of building the life that I always uh, saw for myself. You know, I did want a I did want sort of a, a certain kind of life, a sense of community, being able to walk to the grocery store, walk to the library, see people I know in my neighborhood, and then divorce changed all that because I had to, I, I did live in this neighborhood before when I was married and I had to leave, 
And so when I came back, it was really nice to have everything come together. So I'm just sort of, that's successful to me, is that I just, I like what I do every day. It's not easy. Um, so having financial stability to some degree or working on it, and then being able to uh, enjoy the life that I'm making, you know, rather than feeling like I'm just sort of going through the motions and working Monday to Friday, waiting for the weekend. That didn't feel like success to me, even though I made more money. Even though, you know, I was having great juicy bylines in these wonderful magazines. I don't know. It kind of wore out. I wore off after a while. What advice would you give someone who wanted to start their own business from you, like, like you did from the ground up? Do it. Yeah, really do it. You do it too, right? Like you work for yourself. Like you would say the same thing. Yeah, but I, w- I would say um, I had different nest eggs of capital. So right. I'm going to ask the same of you, right? Like was it your life savings like how did you start uh, did you loan money did you I started this with the cash in my pocket because so, I was uh, again coming out of a marriage you know where things were very comfortable and things change yeah so I had also uh, purchased a, a home so I, I purchased a home and started the business in the same month wow I was just trying to sort of be smart you know <laughs> what I mean and like I like real estate I've been investing since I was 24 Right. But at the time when I started, I didn't have an investor. I had a, a proposed investor, but I didn't like the idea of sharing something I hadn't started yet. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I remember the, the person that wanted to invest was, you know, proposed a certain amount of money for a percentage, and I thought it sounded off. And then he said to me, well, you know, your business isn't worth anything, so this is like, this is good. And I was like, if my business wasn't worth anything, then why the hell do you want to invest in it? It didn't feel right. So I didn't take it. So I started with first and last month's rent, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> so you financed yourself. I financed myself, yeah. Awesome. Did you try to get any loans or business loans? I did. I went to the bank. Uh, you know, I had I had capital. You know, like I had I had equity in my home and stuff like that, but it didn't really apply. Um, so I don't think. Maybe this is a broad sweeping statement, but I don't know that the uh, lending laws in Ontario are set up for entrepreneurs to succeed. So you have to find other ways to fund yourself and you have to really believe in what you're doing, not to the point of ridiculousness. Like some ideas just don't fly and you have to cut your losses and move on. But I really believed in this and I believed in the space and the things that could happen here. So that was it. But yeah, it was all self-funded. I didn't get any loans. Um, there was a couple of personal loans I took from friends, which was really hard for me. It was hard to ask for help, but I trusted myself enough to know that I would hustle it back to get it, you know, to that person. And that's how it's that's how it started. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Did you have mentors or advocates who helped you along the journey? Uh, when I was uh, about 22, and I started, uh, I'd come out of school, and I'd been a journalist in school, and I'd worked for different magazines and stuff like that, and then when I left, the internet was sort of happening, so I had a mentor who encouraged me to write for the internet, and uh, like in marketing, and she's like, you know, you, you can write, you can put words together, and they flow, there's clients that'll pay you, pay you well if you can write their brands, so I did that for like a year, and she was a wonderful mentor, she owned her own creative agency, um, in the end, I decided I didn't like necessarily writing for you know other brands and things like that it was fun to a point but she was a really great mentor because she ran her own creative agency and it was the first time I had ever thought about doing that on my own and that's when the idea for running a studio someday started when I was about 22 and the opportunity just never came up what advice would you give someone wanting to um, change careers right 
very similar to what you did, right? Right. Um, so I, I've, I've always uh, been in the same industry, like health and fitness is sort of all I know. Um, not all I know, but it's, the, it's where I built the bulk of my career, even as an athlete. And then I went into the fitness journalism, into this, the, the community, the contacts I have. So I would say, look, if you want to have a complete career change, immerse yourself in that industry first, like show face, you know, go to events, reach out to people, understand what it is that you're trying to get involved in. That's very helpful because you need to establish relationships with people. Um, that's also helped. You asked about a mentor. So going along, there was people that believed in what I could do because they had seen it. They had either, you know, read what I had written about health and fitness or they know that yoga had always been part of my life. So uh, when you're starting off, you know, in the beginning, immerse yourself in that industry, get to know people, and then, and then start to plug away at it very slowly. At some point, I know a lot of people will keep like a full-time job and start something on the side. And that's fantastic, but at some point you have to leap in completely. Otherwise, you're just not giving yourself over to to your new career. What advice would you give people um, who suffer from gender inequality in the workplace? So, in, in the, so in terms of workplace, so here's the thing: is it happens everywhere. You know, like I have a commercial space here. I encountered some gender inequality. You know, I was told that I was uh, like a pit bull, and I was ballsy and stupid shit like that. You know. And I thought, would you talk to me like that if I actually had balls? Like, would you? You probably wouldn't, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so you always sort of deal with it. And the thing is, you have to pick your battles. And just because you're not, you're not engaging, you're not fighting, if you fight every single battle along the way, you're going to get tripped up all the time. So in commercial space, it was really challenging to work around that because it's very male-dominated, you know? Um, gender inequality in the workplace, like in the context, let's say, of an office, if it's a real persistent problem and you've tried to deal with it verbally yourself, okay, try once. And then I think that you need to just take the high road and, and the legal routes and the, and the things that are available to women to make noise, whether it's HR, contacting a lawyer. And there's, there's you know, uh, you can escalate as you go. But the truth is that if someone's giving you a hard time and you're experiencing gender inequality, you're already dealing with a low level type of mentality so you can only fight it for so long so I say just keep going until it hurts like <laughs> you know contact mm -hmm. HR uh, get people involved there's no need to deal with it on your own I think women feel the need to just deal with gender inequality by themselves or get upset or get mad and you can but if you're going to accept where you're at I think you have to sort of accept that this still exists out there um, so you not so you navigate it the best way possible and build the blocks to get to the next step. Does that make sense? Or you can get trapped in, in the fight. Um, I to totally agree. I, I just think that the industry that you came from, journalism and media, yeah. is typically known to be more of a boys club. Absolutely. And I worked in women's fitness. So we worked in, like in women's magazines, uh, writing about women's fitness and women's bodybuilding and things like that. There was tons of inequality, are you kidding me? Like just the way that women would show up to set, you know, like not very clothed and there was male photographers. Like it's all it's all perspective and the visual. Right. As long as you're aware, you need to just sort of be aware of what you're engaging in and what you're doing. Because when shit hits the fan, the last thing you want to do is be like, well, throw your hands up and be like, well, you can't victimize, you can't re-victimize yourself either. Does that make sense? So you just sort of have to have a handle on what you're going into. I knew what industry I was in and I was fine with it. I didn't take shit. But I also understood that there was there was a game that you needed to understand and be on top of it. Is that fair? No. Is that the way things are at the moment? 
absolutely. So you need to sort of be aware of the opponent. The opponent being the wall, not men, you know, it's, yeah. it's the, because women have the same attitudes. For every, sure. for every man that might hold you back or, or produce that type of toxic environment, there, there's, a, there's a female in the office doing that too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So people are people, I think, you know? Absolutely. And then um, I think in the last 10 years, right, from your experiences, do you think there's been an evolution, right, positive or negative, in how yeah. men and women work together in the workplace? I think so, uh, especially, like, this is a very tender time, and I think things are really coming to light, you know? So yes. um, I haven't been in an office setting for a couple of years, and even when I was, these were, like, you know, uh, startup magazines, the last couple ones that I worked for, so they were... There wasn't a staff of 50 or 100 people. There was less than 10 people. So you could manage personalities and all that junk that came at you. And that's easier. Smaller, sometimes it's just easier to manage. It doesn't mean it's less uh, challenging or there's uh, no gender inequality, but at least it's not happening at all these different hierarchical levels, you know. So have, have things changed? Absolutely. I think both men and women are more aware. I think they're both also a little bit more afraid to say things. Even as a female, you know, I can have loose lips. I might say something that seems inappropriate. Is it okay that I'm saying it because I'm a woman? Maybe. You know, like, I don't really know. So you kind of have to watch the things you say. I'm not easily offended, so I don't know. <laughs> but um, Absolutely. Like, each office has their own norms, right? Mm -hmm. Either their own group norms or behaviors that are acceptable. Right. And typically it's set by the top, right? tone at the top yeah. sets fish things from the head yeah <laughs> the behavior that's acceptable it is for, yeah 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 for sure but I do think right the more women we have in leadership positions mm -hmm. hopefully you know the the behavior changes but at the same time as you said there are just as many women who right because people thinking. are people people are competitive yes. people are insecure you know if you're talented you know there's always going to be you don't know what that with that let's say there's a woman giving you a difficult i've had female editors that really gave me a hard time you know is it because i was a woman maybe they just didn't like me you know yeah. so i think you also have to watch where the blame lies i think there's also you need to look at something when it's true inequality and there's misogyny and you're being treated a certain way because you have a vagina and breasts and then there's sometimes when a person is just being a dick because they're a dick and they would treat anyone like that so it's important to just understand where it's coming from for your own benefit so you're not leading from a place of feeling defeated because you can feel defeated have things changed in the workplace absolutely HR is a real thing you can actually talk to your peers about this stuff there's a lot of things people can't say has it improved I don't know maybe people are better at masking it it's hard to say yeah. But I'd like to think there's been improvement, at least in awareness, and especially for young women coming into the workforce, you know? The things that women know now at 22, I did not know about equality, like, you know, equal pay, um, maternity leave rights, um, things that are appropriate to say and not say in the workplace. I'm amazed sometimes at the things that we think are okay, even in a group of men joking around, wanting to be the cool chick, you know? It's not always okay in the things that are said. Not for you, but for, for that person. Hey man, let me change your life. Don't be such a dick. Don't say things like that. Do you know what I'm saying? So there is a great movement and change. I don't know how it's affecting the workplace because I haven't been in it for a while. Okay. If you could go back and give yourself two key insights um, throughout your journey, your younger self, what would they be? Um, uh, key insights. Um, well, like I, I said before, I don't really have any like, regrets or anything like that, so I don't think there's anything I would have changed. 
but I, I, I went through uh, lots of periods of insecurity. And it, funny enough, because I worked in, in women's fitness, the majority of my bosses were female. And so being in my mid-20s and you know, really being eager and wanting a mentor, I craved it. I craved that a lot. It wasn't available in media. You know, it's not something women do necessarily. I'm not saying never, my experience. So I would give myself the insight of uh, knowing that the other person that's giving you a hard time is probably more insecure than you are and not take it. I don't want to say take it personally because I don't think that's fair, you know? I did take it personally but maybe not let it get me down or get me depressed. It was really tough working under women that you thought didn't like you or weren't gonna help you with your career. So that's one, one insight I'd give is just, don't worry, that person probably feels worse than you do. And that's why they're behaving that way, um, which doesn't excuse it, but at least you know it's not a you problem, you know? Um, and then the other thing is to not be shy with sharing your talents. You know, sometimes there, there, were, there was instances where I may have you know, held back in my work or I didn't wanna show what I had done or supersede an editor or do something like that, I would have just did it and maybe hopefully cared less. I don't think that's the person I am, you know, for all the confidence I can show. I have a ton of insecurity too. Those two things, mainly surrounding insecurity. <laughs> I think that's amazing because I, I can't think of anybody that I've spoken to that in their 20s wasn't insecure. Right. And still seeking approval. Absolutely. Right? Whether that's from their boss, their boyfriend, yeah. their parents. And I'm not sure what point that changes, right? But I would say by your 30s, you're much more accepting of yourself. Sure. And your flaws, or yeah. right? And, and much more accepting that, you know, everybody else is flawed too. Yeah, that's, I take comfort in knowing that we're all yeah. messed up together. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, yeah. no one actually knows what they're doing. Yeah. But, sure. you, but you fumble, and, and, and you're okay with fumbling, and being, like, kind and soft, and, you know, sometimes, like, soft in a sense of, like, uh, compassionate. And being slower, you know what I mean? Like I like running the studio and stuff. I've had to slow a lot of things down just to, and it doesn't mean that I'm not chaotic inside. I'm still I am who I am, but slowing down my movements or slowing down my speech or things like that are really really helpful, you know. So I, I, I'm I'm hoping that we could come up with even some solutions for young girls or young women, right? Of how. And maybe it's something like yoga or meditation where mm -hmm. they are able to be at peace with themselves a yeah. little more and care less about what other people think. Right. I think it's okay to care. You know, like I used to be very insecure about how sensitive I was. And I'm sure many women have heard this. You're so sensitive. Am I though? Or maybe you're just not. And what's wrong with being sensitive? Nothing. It doesn't disrupt my life. It just makes me hyper aware of certain things. So I think uh, things like exercise, I've always had fitness in my life, and the periods that I've gone without. Funny enough, when I worked in fitness magazines, there were periods where I didn't work out at all, because I was so sick of it. You know what I mean? I'd be writing about it all day, I couldn't take it anymore. And right before I started this studio, pretty open about it, I hadn't done yoga in like two years. So I had done it my whole life, stopped for a couple of years, and then just started this place. And that, building up my body again, you know, uh, getting fit, seeing it change, that really helped with a lot of insecurity as far as just managing your thoughts, you know, like using my body to think, moving it through. And I think that's helpful. I have a lot of women under 25 who come to the studio. It's a safe place. No one's really judging. No one's judging you. Not really. No one's judging you here. And so activity, movement, and then getting good at something just through repetition, I find... Uh, I've been told too that it's very helpful 
for, for younger women, for older women too, you know, women in their 30s and 40s, older, I use that lightly, but uh, women, let's say under 25, to be good at something and to be watched and coached and be acknowledged, I think is so good. For your spirit. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you don't, you don't really realize that until someone says it to you and you're like, oh yeah, that's really awesome. You know, so fitness helped me. Being in the gym, you know, like crushing weights or like doing yoga at 23 when people weren't really doing it. And they're like, oh, that's so cool, Sandy. You have something cool that you do. And that made me feel nice. So I think that's really helpful, fitness, moving around. Okay, excellent. Um, is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners um, as we... Um, you know what? I think uh, you touched on the point about starting a business. And I know that uh, for me, it was a point of contention for many, many years, even though I'd been a freelancer starting my own business, uh, bricks and mortar, bringing an idea to fruition was really, really challenging. Aside from the financial challenges, I would say set yourself up, get a good lawyer to look at all your contracts, especially your leases, you know. The other thing is just to try. The amount of time that I spent thinking about the things that I wanted to do versus doing the things that I wanted to do made me depressed at different periods in my life. And I think sometimes the emotions that you're feeling in your 20s as you're trying to establish your career, you attach so much of your identity to it that when you're not doing it or you're going to your job that you hate every single day, like it, it like eats away at you, you know? So I think just begin. Just begin something and try it because the more failures you have behind you, then the closer you are to starting to starting the thing that sticks. And, and that's, that's, what, that's what I kind of learned. So I, I'm not really sure who, who would be hearing it, but if there's someone, you know, in their 30s, 40s, but especially their 20s, just like begin. You won't regret it. So did you document your kind of goals or aspirations? Did you journal it? Did you have a list or anything? Yeah, when I was, uh, like I used to write a blog and stuff like many people, you know? And so I used to have a list of personal challenges I wanted to achieve by each birthday. And I did that from like 17 to 33, and then I stopped. But every year I would do that, and I would accomplish everything on there, but very few times did I put on anything career-oriented. I don't know why, I just, I just didn't. Um, but I find that making a list and setting, that's an intention that you set. It doesn't have to be, you know, the thing I struggle with with the yoga <laughs> industry is that it can be flaky and quite flighty. Um, like a lot of industries, it has a many positive aspects, but there's a lot of stuff that's intangible. And I enjoyed that for many, many years as I was learning about yoga and learning about, you know, the, the wellness industry and, and the whole community around it. But I think it's also okay to just, you know, make a list, have it like just a hard black and white list that you cross off. It doesn't have to feel like an intention. It doesn't have to feel like a mantra. It doesn't have to feel life-changing. But it just needs to be sometimes perfunctory, you know, just like write it, check it, next, write it, check it, next, build a pattern. So if I, if I can ask, what were some of the things that you had on your annual birthday list? I had things like uh, try skydiving, you know, get a tattoo, like stuff like that, you know, go to a beach, take your clothes off, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, what else? Oh, there was a, one year I had put... Uh, like write, write, write a story, some sort of story, or write a script, and then I ended up taking courses at Ryerson when I was working in magazines. Um, and I wrote, and I wrote. That's when I started writing scripts and stuff like that. And then I wanted to make a, a short film. I wanted to see a story that I wrote come to life. So then I took another summer course and I made a short documentary. 
So those things were like really big goals. And sometimes you don't know what the end is, like make a movie. What the hell does that mean? So I ended up making a six minute movie. And that fulfilled my, that fulfilled that, you know, that item on my list. So put down the biggest idea and then be open to it coming. It can, it can arrive on any level in any way, you know, but write down the things that you want. Trust that they will happen. They do. They really do. Awesome. Thank you so yeah. much for your time. And Thank I really you. enjoyed it. I so really appreciate it. I will post um, a link to your Yoga Yoga studio in the Thank junction you. and I'll take some pictures. Okay, the, great. Awesome. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks so much. Diane. Okay, cheers. Sandy Bratz, folks. Wow. So many insights, starting with just do it. If you have an inspiration and you want to start a company, just get going. She said she wasted a lot of time thinking about it and it just made her depressed. And she just recommends start it. Start it as a side gig, research, get to know people, network in your industry, immerse yourself, and learn as much as you can. Some of the other insights she had was to, she could wish she could tell her younger self to be less insecure. Gender equality, wow, we talked a lot about that, but it just seemed indicative of the industries that she was in, as were many more. Also, just to be, you know, immersed in yourself and in your industry, get others involved, network. So much confidence that she exudes and so much drive and inspiration in a lot of ways and I think people would also mistake that for aggression right and I think a lot of women who are well driven and inspiring and determined aren't viewed in the light that I think that they should be so so many things if you want to contact Sandy at Yoga Yoga we will post her website and images on our website as well as Instagram her insight is in the junction yoga yoga and we will also have a couple of other links to her studio if you want to rent the space as well so our website again is women work wisdom w-o-m-e-n workwisdom.com you can also find us on itunes and google play so please please send us your comments and listen for next time thank you